0: Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the latest in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Once again, we come for instructions, for revelation, and the world of knowledge and wisdom to be able to walk in the light. Of your spirit with the mind, Father, for instruction this evening. In Jesus' name, Amen. So we want to continue with our study on biblical language in numbers, and we're dealing with number eight today. Biblical language in numbers, and we're dealing with number eight. We've dealt with number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and today we want to deal with number eight. The number eight. All right, um, now to start with, the number eight is used to add a kind of emphasis, a kind of emphasis. you see? because it's like woman number above seven. So this is like an emphasis. They're just like when we dealt with the issue of number two, I will find that number three was like an emphasis where well, two or three are gathered together. On the other hand, he talks about at the mouth of two or three witnesses, or three in that kind of legal situation was like an emphasis. Even so, it's also number eight, when you add eight, it's like an emphasis, you know, to what you have. Uh, it's, it's an emphasis that speaks of completeness as well. Um, and then it also represents abundance. We're going to speak more about that. It speaks about abundance. Speaks about fruitfulness. Uh, we, we we illustrate that. But let me look at a scripture here uh, in the book of Mark, chapter Micah chapter five, is number five. Micah five, is number five, and the Bible says. And this man shall be the peace. The never cries Christ in the, in the first place. This has to do with the Assyrians uh, invading Israel and how at the end they will be able to get the victory. So here it says, this man shall be the peace. And then when the Assyrians shall come into our land and when he shall trade in our palaces, then shall we raise against him seven shepherds and eight principal men. Seven shepherds and eight principal men. So seven shepherds and eight principal simply expresses perfection, completeness, fullness. What he's saying is, when Syrian evanes our Lord, we're going to raise up a people uh, that will defeat them completely. So that's what he's trying to say there. Uh, Seven expresses like as a perfection, then seven and eight is actually an idiom for is and sufficient number. When he talks about like seven and eight, if you join those two words, it makes an idiom for a full and sufficient number. So here he says, We're going to raise up seven shepherds and eight principal men. So we're talking about raising up complete people that would defeat the Assyrians. That's what he was trying to say there. All right. Um, Come with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse number 1 and 2. Ecclesiastes 11, verse number 1 and 2. Here again the scripture says, Cast are bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. And that looks like a miracle. Uh, if you take your bread, if we think of what we call bread to be the bread here, and you cast it over many waters. And then you seen in many days. How does that work? You put your bread in the water. It's going to soak. How are you going to get it back many days? <laughs> yeah, so he's talking about being a blessing to people. Is that okay? Are we together? Now, but what I'm looking for. Please take it off, please. What I'm looking for is verse number two. It said, give a portion to seven. And also to eight. For thou knowest not when evil shall be upon the land. Give a portion to seven and also to eight. So, what do you think he's talking about here? What do you mean to seven? Seven people and eight people? But what he's saying is be generous. Okay, what do you do? Completeness. Seven and eight. Fullness. Are you there? Praise the Lord. In other words, give to more than seven people completeness. Like I said, eight, you know, kind of complete number seven. Be a blessing to people. That's what it's just trying to talk about here. Nothing more. But I just want you to see that word seven and eight. Right? Okay. So number eight is actually the number that represents a new beginning. It speaks of a new order, a new order, a new beginning, a new order, or creation. It speaks of a new beginning, like a new order, a new setting, or something involving creation. It speaks about man's true being born again agent. It's like an agent, the event that produces new birth, which has to do with resurrection from the dead into eternal life. It is a new beginning, it's a new order. It's an agent of the new birth that produces a new life, which is eternal life. That's number eight. So, it's a number of hope. Eight is a number of hope. Follow the things I'm saying. Eight is a new beginning. It means a new order. It's stands for a new creation, if you will. It stands for man's true born-again agent. The event which leads to resurrection from the dead into eternal life which is like being born again it stands for hope hope it stands for a new horizon that speaks of a bright future a new horizon a new, a new day that speaks for a bright future that's number 8 as we're gonna see find that number eight is connected with Jesus and his resurrection. Because see, Jesus was resurrected the eighth day after he was chosen to be the one with the Lamb of God to be sacrificed for the sins of humanity. He was resurrected on the eighth day. So a new beginning, a new order, a new creation, and a true agent that produced in life. This may not be right, but, but let me read it for you. See, the passive alarm, which is Christ, took away man's sin on the Hebrew day of Nisan 10, April 1, 30 AD, according to John 12, 28 to 29. He was crucified on Nisan 14th, which is Wednesday, April 5th, in A.D. 30. Now, there is something very specific again that I need to make you see, which is part of what I've just mentioned. But don't forget those things I've mentioned, I'm trying to optimize them for you so that you can easily capture them. So I talked about a new beginning, a new order, a new creation. The agent of our new birth is that okay? It stands to replay. I mean, to reflect the resurrection of Jesus Christ, even the death of Jesus Christ. But there is something here I want you to see. How many of you remember that every male child, the Hebrew male child, was circumcised on the eighth day? You remember that? Good. So the eighth day speaks of a new birth, as it were, the circumcision of your heart. Is that okay? It speaks of look at the book of Romans, chapter 2, verse 28. The number eight speaks of the circumcision of your heart in relation to your new birth. Romans 2, 28. For it's not a Jew which is one outwardly, that's outward circumcision now, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. But it's a Jew which is one inwardly and circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men but who of God. So those who are in Christ are becoming new creature, like we know before, with godly character being created by the power of God's spirit. So that's that operation, that half circumcision. Is represented by number eight. That's why you see that all male children were circumcised on the eighth day in the Hebrew system. Are you following this? So, for instance, if God begins to speak to you about number eight, it could mean so many things. You got it—a new beginning, begin a new order. It needs you to circumcise your heart. In other words, it's trying to say, Allow me to do a work of circumcision in your heart. So that your real new birth might be made manifest. Because you see, yeah, the act of circumcision have the praise of man, but the circumcision of the spirit have the praise of God. Are you following this? And that's number eight So when you begin to see number eight A lot of things have to begin to move around your mind and your spirit Understanding what God is saying at that particular time And so when you look at Romans, I mean 2 Corinthians 5 17 It says, therefore if man be in Christ, is a new creature All things are passed away Behold, all things are become new And so that's number eight talking now when you have a circumcision of your heart, number eight is in play. Is that okay? Right. And you have to understand this. Is it your new birth is directly connected to your spirit. We know that before, isn't it? Right. So, you have to understand that a place where the trouble actually is in man is the heart. So, Jeremiah, we say the heart of man is desperately wicked above all." in Jeremiah 29, verse 11. The heart of man is desperately wicked Above all things Who can know it In other words Even you don't understand your hearts And so he takes the spirit Now that's why he discovered that For you to truly obey God And to walk with God God has to operate in your heart Or operate your heart. And so for Israel He said I will take away the heart of stone, and I'll give you the heart of flesh. What does the first mean is, when He gives them the heart of flesh, they'll be able to understand and not just understand, they'll be able to believe and walk with Him. So the circumcision of your heart makes you, or brings you to the place where now you can obey God because now you can receive the Word of God written in your heart instead of your outward tablet of stone like it was with the children of Israel. That is why a circumcision is not of the outside, but of the inside. So if you are circumcised in your heart, you can obey God, you can hear God, you can listen to God. God's word can have effect in your heart. And all of these things speaks up number eight. The operation of that circumcision of your heart for you to be able to hear God, and receive the word And walk by the word Because God now energizes you By his spirit To do what he wants you to do In that instance Number eight is at work. Praise the living God Are you there? Alright Jesus Christ Because he also speaks of victory Number eight speaks of victory You find that Jesus Christ Resurrected three days after at the end of the weekly Sabbath day that fell on Nisan 17 which is 17 symbolizing victory 17 symbolizes victory which connects to 8 but Nisan 17 was the 8th date counting from when Christ was picked as man's sacrificial lamb that was the 8th day. so it speaks of victory so when you begin to experience these number eight coming to you, be ministered to you then, we're looking at victory that is coming your way Amen Praise the Lord Now all of those things again we said, it speaks about the perfection of Christ It's like I'm going to make you see the perfection the full sacrifice, the perfection of all that Jesus accomplished for mankind getting the victory on behalf of humanity as he got into sacrifice and died and resurrected to so have complete victory. And so Colossians 2, verse 11 we can also read that. In relation to circumcision as well. Colossians 2:11. In who also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made with our hands, he putting off the body of the sins of the flesh, By the circumcision of Christ buried with him in baptism. Wherein also you have reason I and reason with him through the faith of the operation of God who are raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your sins and trespasses, or circumcision rather, of your flesh, have he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all what? Your trespasses. Now you know all of these things happen. By reason of the sacrifice The death of Jesus Christ Amen So his place of complete victory In producing a new man Which is a new creature That is coming forth by reason of the operation Of his sacrifice Praise the Lord Amen Are you following me? Now the Bible is saying You died with him so on the cross You died with him, you are buried with him you rose with him to a new creature. In other words, you are now having the victory over the powers of the enemy, the victory over sin, whatever the case may be, you now have victory over it, and all of that sin is found within number eight. Is that okay? So you see that number eight is so connected to your salvation, it's so connected to your new creation birth in Christ. Number eight. Amen? So now, how does number 8 relate? Now remember, your salvation, which is the victory you've gotten over the powers of the enemy, is already connected to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You remember that? Good. It is as he rose that you got the victory. Not when he died. Are you getting what I'm saying? Because it is when he rose, that the, the Spirit was poured out. The Spirit was not poured out on the cross. The Spirit was poured out by like on the day of Pentecost, And that's where you truly begin to have power to overcome. And the Spirit never came until He rose from the grave. Is that okay? Now, number eight When you, when you use the word Jesus in the Greek, it answers to 888. Eight, eight. The number in relation to the name Jesus is 888. 888. That is Jesus. Just like you have 666. Six, six with the number of the earthly man the number of Jesus, the name is 888 Praise the Lord Now when Jesus rose from the grave in terms of his resurrection now he showed himself eight times to his disciples when he rose from the grave, he manifested himself to his disciples eight times. The first time was for Mary Magdalene. That was the first appearing. The second time was the scripture for this I can give you. In case for Mary Magdalene, you can look at Mark chapter sixteen. 9 to 11. Jesus showed himself to Mary Magdalene when he rose from the grave. Second time he showed himself was to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. That's Luke 24. Is that okay? Then in John 20, leading from 24, he showed himself to the disciples without Thomas Didymus. Are you there? Praise the Lord. Alright. Then again, in the same John 20, he showed himself again the second time, this time, with Thomas Didymus. The first time when he came, Thomas was not there and he said, no, unless I put my finger in the prince, remember that? Good. Then he came back again the second time for Thomas to feel him. And that is also very important for us in relation to our belief. Why is that important? Because we think we must see Jesus physically before we can believe in terms of even that which you call a second coming But he told Thomas something Blessed are those who have not seen yet believe it So those who are truly blessed are those who believe without seeing physically And so sometimes when you start thinking about Jesus must come physically from the sky before you believe of something, you act like Thomas. Are you sitting there with me? Okay. Then, when he asked them to meet with him, Matthew 28, 16 to 17, he appeared to them again at the appointed place in Galilee. I'm saying, Jesus appeared to a disciple eight times. Why is it just number eight? Why is it not four times or five times? He speaks about victory, resurrection, power, a new day, a new season, a new beginning. Praise the living God. Are we see here? And then we find that at the final meeting at the Mount of Olives, where he gave his followers instruction before ascending into heaven. So, eight times he visited the disciples when he rose from the grave. And that's how important number eight is in relation to your salvation. So, number eight is speaking about resurrection life, speaks about victory, speaks about overcoming, speaks about dominion, speaks of a new season, a new order, a new community of people, if you will. Praise the Lord. All right, I'll show you something. Resurrection is also like I'm saying, you know, when he rose the showed eight times. But so there is something I want to want you to see here. After the seven weeks, seven weeks is seven times seven, right? The next thing you're going to come about is that's the forty nine fifty. Is that okay? Right. And 7th and 7th is the 4th, forty nine speaks of spring harvest. The next day is the 50th, which speaks about Pentecost. This day is also the 8th day of the 7th week, when you begin to count it. So, this 8th day and the 50th day combine, picture the first resurrection. Because it speaks of spring harvest. That is not a full harvest. So, it represents a community of people who become the first harvest unto God. Jesus being the first fruit, and then those that are Christ, and then the rest. Are you following what I'm saying now? Praise the Lord. Now, and that also means it speaks of immortality. So, let's read 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20. First Corinthians 15, verse 20. Bible says, now is Christ risen from the dead, and become the first fruit of them that slept. The first fruit of them that slept. For seeing by man came dead, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Somebody asked me a question on this recently. And I simply asked the question How many people died in Adam? Is that all? How many people are supposed to be made alive in Christ? Is said all? And then he asked me a question. But, you must receive him before you can be made alive. Then I said, where was your choice when you died in Adam? I don't know if we can picture that. Are you there with me? Where were you? How did you volunteer to join Adam so that you died? And somebody said, but are you saying you don't have to receive? Sure we have to receive But you have to understand that in your receiving He makes you to receive It's not just what you think you can do Are you sitting there with me? Now don't miss this As in Adam all died Even so in Christ are all The all that died in Adam are supposed to be made alive in Christ if all cannot be made along the Christ, that means the blood of Adam is stronger than the blood of Jesus. And if I'm making sense for you, if somebody says, so how are they going to happen? I don't want to discuss that here. But don't miss the point. But in the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Every tongue. How many? Every Glory to God. Let, let me read this. I'll show you something now. But I them now they all died. All died, even so in Christ, shall all be made alive. But look at verse 23. But every man was in his own order. Christ the first fruits, after what dead that are Christ, At what are disappearing. Christ the first fruit, Afterward, what they that are Christ are disappearing. Praise the living God. Can you follow what I'm saying here? So that is The number eight The spring harvest Men coming into resurrection Power And not just resurrection in terms of Coming from the What men teach us about coming from the cemetery This is coming into a full life Of a glorified body Praise the Lord Are we seeing here? Look at the next verse. Then come at the end. Look at that. Verse 23 says, Go back to verse 23 and I will come down. Verse 23. But every man in his own order. The word order is is squadron. In the Greek. And squadron is like you have battalion. So you have the 82 battalion, 51 battalion, and you know, battalion has a number of people that makes a battalion, right? Squadron is like a regimental system of military operations. So when he said, every man in his own order, that means there are battalions or squadrons or people that are coming into resurrection per time. Not everybody is falling in the same time. That's what he's saying. Are you sitting with me? Good. So, every man in his order... Christ the first fruit, after the day of Christ are disappearing, and look at the next thing. Then come in the end, that means, all the appropriate will not join when he shall have delivered of the kingdom to God and the Father, when he shall put what down all rules and all authority and, and power. All other things come in. Christ the first fruit, then the squadron that has to do with those who are Christ, you and our believers, and then the end. So we have three categories of people that are coming into the resurrection power. All of this speaking about what number eight. Are you following me? And now, in coming to this resurrection power, it's not talking about you coming from the grave as it were. It's talking about you putting on a glorified body. That's what it's dealing with. Look with me Romans chapter 2 And let's look at verse, verse 3, 4 Maybe four, verse number 4 I just want to say this in relation to um, How you come to the Lord How is it possible that you are, you are a believer You see, it's not because On one particular day in the crusade ground You just lifted up your hand And then you become a believer No Something happened unknown to you, and so if you look at this, Paul was actually writing to the Jews, and he said, talking about, look, you don't have to be so judgmental about other people because you're a Jew, and then you have finally come to know the Lord, and that's one of the things that we carry along with us. We we don't think other people can come in. We think, oh. Sooner, very soon, the Lord is coming and everything is shut down. No more grace for anybody. All is shut down, the rest of people are going to hell overnight. We're thinking like the Jews who finally got believed. We forgot that it is by His grace that you got saved. Now why do you think the grace of God ends with you? Nobody else can have the grace for you. (laughs) Hallelujah. You see, I was, I was listening to a brother make a confession, he was a Jew, he became a believer. I'm going to read this, became a believer, and then um, he got a point, he got stuck, because he got the doctrine of the rapture so much in his mind, and one day, something struck him, because he was not feeling for the Jews. Right? And something struck him. He said, Come to think about it. The Bible says All Israel shall be saved. And if all Israel are not saved now, how come the rapture is coming tomorrow? So if the rapture comes tomorrow, all my relations are all gone. Therefore, I can no longer believe in this doctrine. Until all Israel is saved, I don't see him coming. Praise God. Are you following what I'm saying here? These are people that walk with the Spirit. You no, know, so let's look at that Romans chapter 2. I'll show you now. This is what it says. And think that, oh man, talking to the Jews now, that they that we do such things, doest the same that thou should escape the judgment of God. Look at the next thing. Or despise thou the riches of his goodness, and forbearance, and long suffering, not knowing that what? The goodness of God leadeth thee to what? Repentance. Can we take it from the NIV? Just number four. NIV. Or do you show contempt for the riches of His kindness? Tolerance and patience. Not realizing that God's kindness leads you towards what? Repentance. You can't of your own doing. There is something happening behind the scenes where you finally accept the law. Are you following what I'm talking about here? So, when you receive this grace why do you think others cannot? Why do you think this ministry of God, tolerating, having long suffering, bringing you to repentance, ends with you? That's religion. Are you sitting here with me? So, I'm saying this in relation to what we read before. As in Adam, all die. Even so, in Christ have what? All be made alive. Not some people. All. When will that be? I don't know. How is it going to happen? I don't know. But that's what the Word says, and I believe what the Word says. Praise the Lord. So we we'll come into the new order, which is number eight, and go to First Corinthians fifteen, verse fifty-one. First Corinthians fifteen, verse fifty-one. And then we take it up to uh, let me see what I can see here. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, that means we shall not all die physically, but which all be what change in a moment. The word moment, I've explained it here several times. It's not talking about moment in terms of what you find on your wristwatch. Is that okay? The word moment in the Greek is atomos That word atomos is where you have your word atom In your chemistry Which is the smallest individual particle, if you will So when he say in a moment, what he's saying is In the atomic structure of your human being Something is going to happen to you And then in the twinkling of an eye the twinkling of an eye has nothing to do with your eye blinking. Twinkling means, if for instance I'm in this direction, and then I'm in a dark room, everywhere is calm, maybe I'm like 1am, maybe I'm just sitting and meditating, and somebody just busts in through the door. What will be my natural response? I'm going to sweetly turn to the direction where the noise is coming from. That is what you call twinkling. So it's a change of direction. It's a refocusing of idea, thought. Are you done with me? Now, we'll come back here. Let me show you when you start focusing or refocusing that you see what happens. Second Corinthians 3, look at verse 17 and 18. We'll come back here to 1 Corinthians 15. 2 Corinthians 3. Now the Lord is that spirit. Now, when you look at this, you find that it's capitulator. Who is the Lord? Who is the Lord? Jesus Christ, isn't it? The Lord is that spirit. What is that supposed to tell you? The Lord is Christ, is that spirit that came on the day of Pentecost? The Lord is that. It's not saying the Lord is the he said, the Lord is that. He's describing what happened before. Come on, is anybody following this? Because when you read it, the Lord, it is did the Lord is the Spirit. Are you there with me? He said, the Lord is that Spirit. That means, the Spirit that came on a particular time, is the Lord. So who came on the day of Pentecost? The Lord. The Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, yes, what? Liberty. So go to the next verse. It says, But we all, with open faith beholding us in a glass, the glory of the Lord, are changed into what? The same image from glory to glory, even by the Spirit of the Lord. Does the Spirit help us to focus on Jesus? So when we turn focusing on Jesus, we receive an impartation of life from His presence. The more you behold Him, the more you become like Him. Praise God somebody. Are you following this? Alright. So go back to 1 first, first Corinthians 15 now, verse 52. I write this to explain, in a moment, a twinkling of an eye. And the last trump. Right? I, I don't need to explain all of this. We'll find all of this on the website. You have all of them explained. But last trump means, there have been some trumpets before. This is the last one. <laughs> is that okay? Right. And then you go to the book of Revelation You have the seven trumpets So the last trumpet And the Bible says when the last trumpet sounds The mystery of God is finished That's what it does It communicates the fullness of God's life Praise the Lord It's about the trumpet that sounds And the dead shall be raised incorruptible That's what I'm looking at It speaks of incorruptibility It speaks about a new creature It speaks about immortality Is that okay? Right You see, let me me explain this again. Go with me to Romans chapter 1. Let's look at 3 and 4. And we'll come back here again. Concerning His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. I want you to listen to this. He was made according to what? The seed of David according to the flesh. Next verse. And declared to be what? The son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by what? The resurrection from the grave. So when you want to talk about him being the son of God, It's actually when he rose from the grave. And that is done by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is what we're talking about. Now when he rose from the grave, in this instance, This is no longer a time... Where food sustains him But well, as the son of David He could eat He was tired He could sleep He grown he fair pains. As son of David But as the son of God He can't feel pains anymore He can't get hungry anymore He can't get tired anymore Why? Because food is not what sustains him You see you eat or we eat To get blood To sustain our life Life of the flesh Is in the blood But in this sense, it's no longer working by blood. That means it doesn't need food to survive. Are you listening to me? And so in Luke 24, you see the story. When Thomas, even John 20, when Thomas was not there, when he finally came and, what did he tell him? First of all, when he appeared to them, he said, you know, they were afraid and they thought he was a ghost. He said, I'm not a ghost. For a ghost has no flesh and Bones like I have. It is a flesh and blood, it's a flesh and bones. That's the resurrected body is a body with flesh and bones. Meaning you can walk in the same structure, help me, Lord, that you are now, but not dependent on food for sustenance or survival. The only thing that sustains you is the Holy Spirit. If you want to eat, fine, you can, but that's not what gives you life. Are you listening to me? This is the life that God is talking about, which is the true significant meaning of number eight. Victory over death, victory over sickness, victory over everything that is incorruptible. And that's corruptible right Okay. I'm going to read the scripture for you Go now again to First Corinthians 15 Let's look at verse 53 First of all, 52 Talks about the trumpet trumpet speaks about the sound Speaks about message We are talking about the message of life The message of immortality That's what the trumpet is all about Okay, 53 says for this corruption was put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on what? Immortality. So when this corruption shall I put on incorruption, and this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is followed up of what? A victory. Number eight. Can you get that? Are you listening here? Praise the Lord. Go with me to Second Corinthians 5. Look at verse number... We're supposed to be number four, but I just rush very quickly. I'll show you something. Verse one. For we know that if our earthly house, okay, take it from the NIV, take it from the NIV. Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, tent is something that is suspended by pegs, and it means what is temporary. That is why Abraham and called the living tent, because they were sojourners. So when you talk about tent, you are talking of that which is temporary. And so when you go to your tent meetings, you just pin it, you pull it off, you go to another place. Are you there with me? So when he talks about if we live in this earthly tent, which means this body is not permanent. Is that okay? It means this, your body, is not permanent. That's what he's dealing with. Okay. We have a building from God, an eternal house in the heaven, not built by human hands. And the still says, Meanwhile, we grow longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. That means this house is coming from above to so swallow up this one that we are living in. We are talking of a permanent body. Now we replace the temporary body. What's the next thing? Because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. Is that okay? Which is God's presence, which is his glory. I was trying to share with my wife a few days ago. Is that okay? Yeah. The next thing. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal might be swallowed up by what? By life. Did you get that? Praise the Lord. So that what is mortal might be swallowed up by life. Which is immortalized. That's what we're talking about. That's what we've grown in. So the desire we have right now is not to fly away, but to receive a covering from the heavens. Praise the living God. Look with me to the book of Romans, chapter 8, 23 and 24. Romans chapter 8, 23 and 24. Now he said. Okay, we can just go back a little bit. Look at 22. For we know that the whole creation groaned and traveled it in pain to get out of now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which are the first fruit of the Spirit. Praise God. The first fruit, the down payment. First fruit means down payment. The endless of the spirit, that's why you find the book of Ephesians. And that's what? Listen, this is what it means. If you want to buy a property, maybe you want to buy a car, for instance, and then let's assume that the price of the car is two million. could be in dollars could be around whatever, just two million, right? And then you come in and you made a deposit payment of one million. That's your down payment. Is that okay? Your endless Your down payment You don't take delivery of the car With that one million Until you bring the balance Are you listening to me? So we having got the first fruit of the spirit It's a down payment Showing that we are going to be fully purchased But this is a guarantee That I own you Though i have not taking delivery So look at it well, the force of spirit, even we ourselves, grown within ourselves, waiting for what? The adoption to with what? The redemption of our body. So now, you pay one million and the deal is two million. By the time you come with two million, you are redeeming what you paid the price for. You can drive it home with your car. Are you sitting with me? So now our spirit... Is redeemed, sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. We have the evidence of the fact that we've been purchased in this regard. Down payment have been made because we can speak in tongues, we can prophesy, we can do signs and wonders. All of the operation of the Holy Spirit is happening because it's a down payment to your spirit. But it gives you a guarantee that something is yet in the making. And what is that? The glorification of your mortal body. So, anytime you're speaking in tongues, it gives you hope. Look at the next thing. Verse 24. For we are saved by hope. What hope? Not the hope of rapture. Come on. We are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope by implication. If this is what we are waiting for, Then there is no need to wait for it. Oh, glory to God. For what the man sees, what does he hope for? 2 Corinthians 5 tells us we're hoping and groaning for a house from heaven to drop on us. Praise the living God. Are you listening to me? You know, I asked a question recently. I'm going to do. Something on it. You see, do you think God just brought human beings here and be experimenting with them like guinea pigs? Guinea pigs are experimental fans. So now, human beings going to the wall, get birth, grow old, oh, die. Another one, grow up, die. Just like that. You think that's what God has in mind for creation? Nonsense. Everything about death is going to Stop. Death was not in the original plan of God. Lest man have dominion, death was not included. And because death was going to come into the scene, he made the provision even before it happens. And so Christ was slain before the foundation of the world. So death also is going to be swallowed up in victory. Hallelujah. You're not going to see human being growing old and dying, growing old and dying. That is not God's agenda. Hallelujah. Can you see it here? We have a hope, people. And we are hoping it's going to happen. When? I don't know. Because you see, help me with Deuteronomy 16, verse 16. I wish I can complete this tonight. Hallelujah. Deuteronomy 16, verse 16. Thank you, boy. Three times in a year shall all make. Appear before the Lord thy God in the place where the Lord shall choose in the feast of living bread, and in the feast of weeks, and in the feast of tabernacles. And they shall not appear before the Lord God what? Empty. You know what I'm trying to say? These three feasts represent the three dimension of the work of redemption. The first week you see there of living bread speaks of Passover, which is Israel comes in from Egypt as a week feast of olive bread. Remember that? Praise the living God. And then the second feast is the feast of Pentecost. And then you have the last feast. So now, you already have Passover because you believe in the law. First Corinthians 5 actually tells on that. Is that okay? Christ, our Passover lamb, has been slain for us. Praise the Lord. Now you're speaking tongues, you prophesy. What is that? You've already partaken of feast number 2. Which, what feast is that? The feast of weeks. But there remain one more feast. What feast is that? The feast of tabernacles. What does that supposed to mean? The tabernacle of God is with men. Revelation 21 verse number 3. That is what we have not seen. That is what we are hoping for. That is what we are looking on to. And so when you ask me when, I tell you I don't know. God never gave a date for you to be saved. Did you know where you are going to be saved before? God never give a day to anybody To receive the Pentecostal experience In fact he told them It's for like it's not your power to know The time and the season that God has placed in his power And suddenly When the day of Pentecost was come And I believe It's going to be suddenly When the time of Tabernacle has come also. Praise God somebody It's not something you talk about It's not something you dream about It's something we just hope, keep on hoping for Keep on praising him for Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Let me see. How I many minutes more? Right, about 10 minutes. Let me see what happens. So, this number 8 that we're dealing with, all of this things speaks of number 8. The power of number 8 in relation to your salvation. It's such a powerful number. Amen. Now, you see, this piece of tabernacles that I've just spoken about, after the eight days of the Feast of Tabernacle, there's another day called the Last Day. It's called the Eight Day Last Day of the Feast. It's a new beginning. All right. It speaks about grace and love. Let me continue. So I'm not carried away by this. I uh, understand this. Amen. It speaks of grace and love. You know. The scriptures written, it is said, by forty people. And what is 40? forty? Forty made up of five times eight, which is grace and love, new beginning. Can you get that? Forty people wrote the scriptures. <laughs> you take five times eight. What do you get? Forty. Grace, love, new beginning. Meaning that we read in the book of Romans chapter two, God's grace and love is what enables you to receive the opportunity of being born again as promised in the word. You we are saved by grace, number five. The love of God is number eight. You multiply 5 and 8, you get 40 who wrote down the word of God. So the perfection of the word of God is 5 times 8, which is 40. And there were 40 people wrote these scriptures. Are you seeing something there? Hallelujah. Which is that when God wanted to give his word to people, he brought these two figures together, 8 and 8. You go give my word to the people So it's a symbol of grace and love Praise the Lord So like I said, eight people wrote the New Testament And they are Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, James, Peter, Jude and Paul Eight people wrote the New Testament. Why is he eight? (laughs) Because God is about to start something new. So he picked eight people to record what he wants to do. And I love this one. Abraham, whether the father of eight, had eight sons. (laughs) That would surprise you. That is plus Isaac and Ishmael. Yeah, eight sons. Look at it. Genesis 25. Verse number one. Abraham, the father of eight, had eight sons. The natural. Then again, Abraham took a wife, and the name was Keturah. And she bare him Zimram 1. Junction to a maiden, a median, an ishach, a Shishak Ishmael and Isaac, you have eight sons. Did you together, we together. And that is very symbolic and very powerful as well. It didn't end with Isaac and Jacob. I mean Ishmael. Six other sons from the concubine wife, which is Ketura. Now, some of you may not have known it. Well, let me just say this. You know, Jethro was the father-in-law to Moses, right? And the Bible says he was a priest of Midian. How I many of you remember that? Now, some people thought he was a hidden priest. No. Jethro was the son of Midian, so he was the grandchild of Abraham. Come on now, are you following what I'm talking about? No, you, you talk to me. How do you expect God to send his son to a heathen priest to be trained to take care of his people? Would that have been possible? No. Now, if you take time to study scripture, you'll find that the first altar that Moses set up in the wilderness was from the destruction of Jethro. Why? Because they were worshipping Yahweh, Jehovah, as the grandchildren of Abraham. And so when Moses needed to learn how to erect altar, Jethro had to teach him to do that, because they have been doing that immediately. Are you getting what I'm saying here? So Jethro was a grandchild of Abraham was a son of Midian He showed them the way I don't want to go into the story why Some of them were trying to tell him I don't, don't want to follow you and all of that Because they felt that when Abraham died He sent them away Because the scripture said he gave them their portion Look at the next verse Look at the next verse Verse number 3 And Jokshan begat Sheba and Jephan And the sons of Dadan were Ashuran. Lati and then, or is it Lumim? Go to the next verse and it says, And the sons of Midian, Ephah, and so on and so forth, just keep on going, and then we'll go down to, and Abraham gave all that he had unto what Isaac. No, but go to the verse 4. But unto the sons, verse 4. Sons of Midian, right? And Ephah, Hosea, and But is that? All these were the children of Keturah, right? That's the next thing. And he says, And Abraham gave all that he had unto who? Unto Isaac. What's the next thing you find there? Verse number 6. But unto the sons of the concubines, which Abraham had, Abraham gave gifts and sent them away from Isaac his son, while he yet lived, work into this country. So he sent them away. So at the end of the day, they were trying to say, Well, we were sent away. We don't want to have anything to do with you. <laughs> Praise the living God. And this is also very important. I needed to get back to verse 5. And it says, And Abraham gave all that he had unto who? Isaac. Now, what did he give to the concubine children? Gifts. But the son shall inherit all things. They don't inherit gifts. I don't know if you understand that. Come to the book of Revelation, That The son shall inherit all things. We are not conquered by children. That's why you have to get a personal relationship with your father. Praise God. Eh? Are you with me? You find this interesting? Number eight is a powerful number. I tell you something. You take time to study. See? So now, what about if you begin to have dreams about number eight? I just want to summarize that for you. If you're dreaming of number eight, you're talking about success. You're talking about victory. You're talking about material wealth. You're talking about authority. You're talking about power. You're talking about abundance. Primarily. When you begin to have dreams about number eight. God is trying to push you into a new level. Hallelujah. New level of success. New level of wealth coming in. Hmm? It's circumcising your heart And moving you to a new beginning Of your life It's changing your story It's changing your background It's bringing you to become That which has to be called new creature It's like saying People look at you and they see you the next day And say man something has happened to this man You're already a new creature A new being in that sense Different from who you used to be When you begin to see dreams Bring it in number eight. Go back and listen to this and begin to figure out what is happening. He could be telling you, you are getting healed, you're getting victory over sickness, over diseases, you're getting victory over death. You just need to just study your second sense and you know exactly what God is saying. Is anybody following what I'm saying here? It's number eight. Grace, love, Victory, success Well, just think about that That's number 8, new beginning And that is why I discovered that You play the keyboard Two of my pastors here, you can play the keyboard When you get to number 8 It goes up hmm? It's a new beginning, high pitch You strike it It goes up The octave key Is that what you call the octave key? Right When you get to the okay Lucky are you here with me? You know what I'm talking about right? Yeah You strike the okay It gives you a high peak That means everything comes down and is going up A new beginning Number eight So anytime you dream about this God is striking a chord in your life Moving you from one level of low life To a higher level Praise God somebody A new day is dawning for you Oh my God, I need to get you to see this. Amen? You're moving into 888. Jesus multiplied in your life for victory, success, and abundance. Number eight. Such a beautiful number as I was studying it. Are you sitting with me? Say, cast your bread upon many waters for many days you're going to find it. So give a portion to seven and to eight. Move on to full maturity. From perfection to fullness. From perfection to abundance. Through the grace and the law. Forty five times eight. Hallelujah. Are you seeing what I'm seeing here? And so when you dream of number eight... I tell you something It's about time you sing of the glory of God It's about time you give praise to the Father It's about time you say thank you Lord For I know I'm saving to a new day And a new season Amen somebody God wants to complete everything That concerns you For He speaks of completeness Fullness Abundance Maturity Wealth Love Can I go on? That is number eight. Praise God, somebody. Uh, you need to study these things. You need to hear these things. You need to receive this thing, man, and get transformed. When God begins to speak to you, you know, he's step into a new season and a new beginning. And no matter we're going to stop that. For death could not hold Jesus in the grave. That's a new beginning. Victory come. Death could not stop Jesus. He rose from the grave. Walk out of the grave. You are coming out of your grave. Praise God, somebody. I feel excited in my spirit seeing a new day, a new season breaking forth as we study this things. I don't think God just brought this into us for nothing. There's the reason why he said, go study the numbers in the Bible. For a new season is dawning upon our lives. Bless you, somebody. Come on, give a clap up, to Jesus. Hallelujah.